The Data Reaper podcast is a companion which provides extra insight into the weekly report found at ViciousSyndicate.com. Join us for a deeper dive into the numbers to help you improve your Hearthstone game. Hello and welcome back to the Data Reaper podcast. I am your host, Ridiculous Hat, and I am joined by the comfortable theory crafter, Zacho. Zach, how you doing? How you doing, Hat? I'm doing okay. We finally have dates. I like having dates. We know when things are going to happen. Yep. So, listeners, we have, we have learned the reveal stream for all of the cards. For Forge and the Barons will be the 22nd. And the release of the set will be on the 30th. We expect this to mean the patch is on Tuesday the 23rd. Don't know for sure, but Theory Crafting streams are on that day. So there's some live server somewhere where people will be playing with all the cards. I mean, Zach has... You have seven full days to actually think about the set. Oh, the, the extra two days is so good for me. Uh, just for the content creation on the website. Because um, next week, we're going to have the final... Um, standard report for the Dark Moon Fair. It's going to be on Thursday, the 18th. Following that, a few days later, we're going to release a core set preview, a comprehensive core set preview, just like we do for every expansion. We're going to start things off with the core set discussion, just to go over all the cards, all the changes, all the impact on every class. And after that, we will have our usual Forging the Barons preview, set preview, and our Theorcrafting uh, article that we usually publish a day before the expansion launches. So, yeah, having those two extra days, usually if it's, if it's uh, you know, Wednesday live stream into a Tuesday launch, it means that I'm dead. <laughs> yes. <laughs> kind of. Yeah, and those two extra days mean a lot because, uh, yeah, writing takes a lot of effort. Um, and for but, better or uh, worse, they aren't going to have classic until the set also comes out. Which means, which means I'm not going to miss out on classic. But this is a bit of a crab mentality here. I'm a little bit disappointed that classic is not having its own unique date of launch because I think they could have maybe. You know, launch it separately, whether it was before or after. It's kind of weird to see it launch with the expansion. Okay, there there are three things that I have to add here. First of all, they clearly want classic format to go live when the classic set is not live in standard. They want the word classic to mean one thing at a time. Uh, and they want classic to be a celebration of the removal of the classic set from standard. So that's where the format is coming in. Second of all, Dean has said... Ixar said in his most recent AMA uh, that if they did Doom in the Tombs again, it would be a two-week event before the expansion rotation. The Frankenstein we're going to get the week of the nerfer versions is going to be, think of it as the end-of-season event. It's on purpose that they're doing the Wilds-specific uh, reversions in Standard for a week. That is by design. And third of all, they don't want... Too much attention on the classic format because once you break that format, then it doesn't get unbroken because it's permanent. And so putting a lot of attention on it by making it the most streamed thing for a week, I think would probably not be great for format health and probably not give the people the best impression of what Hearthstone used to be either. 
I mean, we'll see, but eventually Classic will get its attention. I mean, I bet there will be streams. But yeah, it might take a while. Maybe um, most players will go to Classic once they experience the expansion first. Maybe after a week, you'll start to pick up more of the Classic games, right? Yeah. I expect it to be a museum piece that there will be... I bet that there will be some names that have not streamed Hearthstone in forever that run back classic that'll get a million billion views. Like I bet Crip will play some constructed and we'll probably have a huge stream and maybe we'll see like I don't know maybe uh, you'll see a Strife Crow stream or something or some people some old names that we haven't heard in a while. Yeah, that's definitely possible, but uh, we'll see. That last week that we're we're gonna see reversions on the twenty third. Probably the patch is gonna come out then. We're going to have a week of standard with a lot of cards that never, like, haven't seen play in years suddenly coming to the forefront. Starving buzzer. We'll talk about that uh, in the second half of this podcast, but there's going to be some interesting stuff to uh, experiment with uh, once those reversions happen. And it's also going to have long-term implications for Wild. Uh, but basically, they've they've reverted so many nerfs. Most of the nerfs they've ever done throughout the years, which is huge. But it's it's cool. Like if you can make these reversions uh, without these cards being broken, right? Because when we nerfed a lot of these cards back, you know, years ago, they were justified. But if like those first versions of the cards before they were nerfed. Not like now in WoW, they would be broken, right? Most of them would be fine. So if you can do those changes and help some classes um, that are struggling in WoW right now or help archetype diversity in WoW in the process, then I think I see that as a win-win. And also you're giving opportunities for players to use those cards as they were used uh, years ago, which kind of helps WoW maintain some of that nostalgia factor where you can still go and play some with some of the old cards that you've enjoyed playing uh, years ago. So I think that's helpful. Um, I think that's a good thing. And again, if it doesn't break the format, then it can't be a negative thing. It's, it's change. And wild, the wild community, which has had internally dissonant opinions, but also... They've been asking for change over there. And I'm not going to say that I play wild a lot, but I'm going to say the reason I stopped playing was because I got sick of the play patterns at the top level and just didn't find it fun and decided to do something else. And, well, I imagine there will be some additional new play patterns available. And also everyone I know that was playing during Angoro wants to go back and play some Quest Rogue. So we'll see what happens, but I definitely want we'll to queue up that some of that. as well. Yeah, we will. Um... So we're doing a report next week, right? One more for this meta? Yeah. The the 18th will be the final report for the Darkmoon Fair. And considering that the meta is still changing and there are still develop- developments, um, it's, not cool. it's not stale and boring as like some of the, um, you know, last reports maybe of previous expansions. Of, uh, we've had some expansions with late developments. But right now, it definitely feels like the meta is still dramatically changing. Uh, yeah. It reminds me, the last expansion I can think of where 
outside of major card changes, the the format became interesting all the way through the end was Witchwood. There was a lot going on there all the way up till the end. Part of that was the Azalina change. Um, but there were things going on up until the day the expansion rotated, and I wouldn't be surprised if Dark Moon Races is about the same. So we will have a report next week. We're going to have a, a podcast next week. We're working on something cool. We can't tell you what it is yet. The next podcast is very special. It's going to be very special. Yes. Yeah. And uh, we're, we're going to talk about the reversions too, but first we need to go ogre the meta, so let's make sure we take a look. Eh? Of course you would do that. Huh? But th- this wasn't this wasn't the, the, this pun was in the report hat. You can't just copy that. Like it's not original. What can I say? It's not original. You you had the perfect pun. What am I gonna I, do? I know. I know I did. I know I did. You can't you can't outdo it. Like it's just too good. I know. That's why I just had to say it out loud and then and then you know it's a high skill cap pun. I had to give you credit. High skill cap? So, meta, balance, let's, interesting. Let's talk about the meta. Let's talk about the meta. Do you no want... tier one decks. No tier yeah. one decks, hat. At top legend, no tier one decks. Uh, which is, not to say there isn't a best deck, right? But, or a best class. But the fact is that the meta at high levels of play is very, very flat. Now, here's some internal insight that I can give you guys. Um, a lot of the top legend players, a lot of them contribute their data to Vicious Syndicate. A lot of them. Many of them also are going to play in Ironforge uh, this weekend. And what I did notice, and again, I'm not going to, we never say this player played that deck or this player played that deck, tested that, etc. But I will say, just looking at the data from a, um, a macro perspective, that there has been a serious effort by the players to counter the best decks or to improve percentages in multiple matchups against some of the most prevalent and successful decks um, of the last month or so. And you really could see that, that there was an acceleration in refinement, an acceleration in experimentation over the last two weeks in the build-up to Ironforge. So the while the tournament scene is not directly related to ladder, the player base is, of course. And I will say that the presence of the Master Steward this weekend certainly affected the presence of decks and experimentation that we saw on ladder over the last two weeks especially at top ledge. And what happened is that with the best decks getting more attention into how do we beat this, how do we improve percentages against Aggro Rogue or Wilkick Rogue or Rogue in general or Paladin, which has been extremely powerful and successful over the last month, and Warrior and also Priest. So there's a lot of movement there. So we saw a lot of movement within archetypes a lot of movement in matchup percentages. And this has caused the meta top legend to just balance out. Now, it's balanced out around a high presence of rogues. That is true. There are nearly 30% rogues. The, the number of rogues at top legend did relax compared to the last report. The rogue is kind of in decline. Part of it is because these players also want to try out other decks, right? You, you need to bring four decks to Iron Forge, not just once. You have to test other decks as well. 
And this has just caused the best decks to get countered harder. And they lost percentages. Rogue lost percentages. Paladin, Warrior lost percentages. While other decks have been experimented with more extensively, uh, got the infusion of new cards. And there is one card in particular, of course, that we discussed throughout the report that made the biggest impact, which is Ogremancer. And Ogremancer is like, I can't really explain to you guys how good this card is until you actually see it get played against you, and then you understand. Like, if you're an aggro rogue player, right, you usually don't have a lot of minions on the board, right? You have a maybe one or two stealthies on the board, right? You don't have a lot of stats on the board. You're mostly using spells in hand and weapons to deal damage to your opponent with some chip damage from your minions. I looked at the deck list we have in the report. The version of Flinger Aggro Rogue that we have listed in the report is 16 spells. Yeah. 16. And two minions, pen flingers, are essentially spells. They're not actual minions. Yeah. They are spells that's one mana deal one damage and you, you get it back. It's like it's like replayable. It's like a witch's brew, right? For damage. But it's not a minion for board. It's not there's no board control with aggro. It's a very like just early game spy mistress delinquent sage mostly for the draw effect there and some uh uninteractive damage, right? Damage that like the stealth minions are damage that you cannot um it's harder to remove. Harder to prevent. They're basically also spells in a way. Spy Mistress is a one mana deal three. It's kind of a sinister strike with a delay. But the point is, if you get an Ogre Mancer played against you as an aggro, you can't do anything. Yeah. Like the game is just ogre. The game is ogre. Unless you have like there was a there was like I, I've played I'm playing aggro quite a bit. Um because uh, the degeneracy of the deck is just fun with flingers. I just love flinger decks, uh, hat. I just can't help it. Mm-hmm. I did manage to deal with an Ogremancer, but I had to sink a Spy Mistress, a Dillinquit, and a Flinger hit in order to deal with it without utilizing spells. But if you don't have that kind of board control, and you usually don't, you just get completely screwed because you can't even hit their face with your weapon. Like, you can't buff your weapon because that taunt pops up and then you just stuck. Like, Ogremancer completely locks games against Agarog in many situations unless the unless you, the Ogremancer player, have like 10 life and they can just eviscerate you with Sinister Strike over the top. If you're like at 15, Ogremancer can very often just end the game. They usually will not have the damage to close out the game or... At worst, it's a it's a seven mana it's a seven health taunt that they just have to use their weapon charge and and their stealth minions and a lot of times it's an overkill as well. They need to sink so much damage into it. So worst case scenario, it's a seven health taunt. Best case scenario, you win the game. Now it's not just aggro. Think about Gibberling Druid. That entire deck is spells. They have. Very little removal. Certainly, they're not able to deal 7 damage with one card. You play that against Druid, the game is just over. It's over. So, Ogremancer turned out to be this card 
that's perfectly aligned to combat some of the best aggressive decks in the meta and punish the fact that Agro Rogue neglects the board, right? Because it's very reliant on spells and it's very reliant on just interacting with the, their spells directly to your face. And Ogremancer perfectly punishes that. So it's a very good stabilizing card in the Highlander decks. Also has synergy with Zephyrus, because sometimes you Zephyrus wild growth into an Ogremancer. That can happen. Oh, and that's curve. a very powerful that's curve. That's a good stat yeah, for the cost. Yep. It's a, just a good... Yeah, so there is actual synergy uh, between uh, Zephyrus and Ogremancer. So that's the fast matchups. But if only Ogre Mancer, which is good in the fast matchups, against any matchup, it's highly annoying. Just think of Paladins, what they have to do to remove it. You have to basically use Justice on it, and still they spawn a Tutu. So you just Justice and Penflinger, or you have to use Bear of Broom just to deal with an Ogre Mancer. This card sinks so many resources from your opponent. It sucks out so many resources that it can very often tilt games into your fate in your favor even in the slower matchup because it's just so annoying what do you do against that thing should we have been playing this card earlier should this card have been played earlier yeah right probably based on how it performs now i will say this okay i will say this it's good in every highlander deck but it's particularly disgusting in priests and the reason why it's so disgusting in priests is because they have healing right and they have buffs like you can get like off a wand maker of a, or a spell kit you can get like a bombing ritual you put that on an ogre what the hell do they do it's like that thing is just gonna generate infinite taunts so in priests it's so disgusting that i highly doubt that priests couldn't have used this card earlier like, considering what was released in Skullman... Remember, this was released in Skullman's Academy. And in Skullman's Academy, we had Soul Demon Hunter, another deck that somewhat resembles Rogue in having a lot of over-the-top damage and not a lot of minion combat in on the board, right? Very similar thing. Pretty sure Ogromancer would have been very effective against that kind of deck. You look at Cyclone Mage... You look Ooh. at Control Priest back then. Like you had, you look at Miracle Rogue back then. We had a very spell-heavy meta. I highly doubt that Ogremancer wouldn't have found a way to get into one of those decks. But the thing is, it was so consensually ignored. Like everyone was sure that this card was just straight up trash. That nobody even gave it a chance, right? And the irony is, I think that the reason why people started playing it. Is because of Jandis. It's because people realize you play Jandis, so there were some occasions where the Jandis, she dropped an Ogremancer on the board, and that was an insane uh, turnout, turnout of event for the play for the Jandis player. So then pro people probably said, hmm, what if we just straight up play this card in a deck? So you're not you're not wrong, but you're not wrong, but and I think that's eventually where it came from. While you were talking, I found a tweet in August of 2020, right after Skolomance came out from HS Replay, where it listed the top five minions generated from Jandis Bearoff. Fifth place, Sandhoof Waterbearer. Fourth place, Raz Frost Whisperer. Third place, Teacher's Pet. Second place, 
Earth Elemental. First place, Ogremancer. Ogremancer was better than than a free 7-8 taunt off of Jandus. And yet, this this was nine months ago? Seven months ago. This was seven months ago. And we did not put it in decks till now. It was still a sleeper. Part of it is that Skolomance is such an unbelievably good set that it's hard to play every card in it that we, we were playing. The one drops, we didn't realize the five drops were good too. Uh, but also it's, it just didn't happen until it did for some reason. Because the meta has been spell heavy since they printed Penflinger. Since they printed all these good spells. I'll ask you an easy question, Hat. Did Highlander decks exist back then? Highlander Hunter did. Yes, they did. Highlander Mage did. Yeah, they definitely did. They did, which means that Ogremancer probably should have seen play in those decks. Remember when we were complaining about Soul Demon Hunter? Imagine yes. having twin slices and facing down this Ogre Boy. This is exactly what I just said earlier. Yeah. Soul Demon Hunter was a deck that very much in its playstyle resembles Agra Rogue in the sense that a lot of its damage is over-the-top reliant on spells, and it doesn't have great board control tools, or it doesn't develop into the board. So value trading into an Ogremancer is very difficult for that deck. You have to sink your weapon charge into it very often. I'm pretty sure it would have been a very effective card against Soul Demon Hunter. In in that kind of meta, and considering the spell heaviness of Skullman's, yeah. right? I highly doubt that this card wouldn't have been played. It's just a situation where it's not like a situation where a card was bad and then there was new synergy that was introduced in the future set that suddenly made it good, right? It's not like Will Kick Master, where you know you didn't have brain freeze and plunderer back in Savers of Old Doom, so you can't say that Will Kick Master was a good card then. And maybe all the, 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 the synergies that piled on uh, through Skullmance and then Darkmoon Fair made that card good or playable or constructed worthy. This is not the situation. This is a strong standalone card that was just written off as a one in every review, including ours. And nobody thought this card was good. And that's why it never saw play. And until suddenly it did saw play see play and we had a chance to evaluate it and we realized this this card is nuts so this is a good lesson for everyone right that there can always be something like this waiting to be discovered and you know i'm pretty sure that there were some cards that never got this uh kind of exposure and may have been sleeper good but, you know, data analysis is tough because you can only evaluate the cards that are being played. If a card is not being played, we can't tell you how good it can be, right? So uh, that's up to the players themselves to experiment and, and, and figure things out. But yeah, it was very difficult for a single person to figure out that Ogremancer was actually good when there was such a consensus. Of, like, who cares about this card? This card was just written off completely. So yeah. Ogremancer's the nuts. It was probably really good in Skullmance. I'm pretty sure it would have been good in Skullmance. And but here we are. Yep. I looked at the. I I maintain a community card uh, rating sheet for uh, for my for another podcast that I do for Coin Concede. Um, and I looked at my ratings for Skullmance, and there were five cards, all neutrals, that I gave them ones and didn't even write comments. I wrote comments about every other card in the set except for Enchanted Cauldron, Desk Imp, Divine Rager, Transfer Student, which doesn't count, we had it earlier, and Ogremancer. So I was lumping this in with a Rager. 
everyone just whiffed on this because it's it was such a weird stat line and weird effect, and and we've also been trained that trog effects when your opponent casts a spell triggers have not historically been good and have historically been super overrated. But in the past, they gave stats on a single minion, not really spawning like perpetually spawning taunts. The thing is, yeah, I think the the big thing here is the taunts is the fact that it just protects itself and protects you while disrupting the opponent. I think that is the big deal. But that, that's a good point about Trogzor, who, who's also a feature in our report, if you look at it yes. carefully. Yes, look at Tankster's yeah. dope meme, which was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, it's funny, right? Because Trogzor was rated highly back in, when, when GVG was about to be released. Everybody thought this was the, this was the actual Dr. Boom, right? It, Dr. Boom looked decent but it was no trogzor famous words from chalky but the point is that card was rated highly because of people were traumatized by miracle rogue and people were just thinking oh what do i do if i play trogzor against rogue right spell heavy deck right so people just overrated that kind of effect and didn't consider maybe that the stats are too slow and here we have the opposite effect, where the Trogzor experience caused people to write off Ogromancer in a way, because it was a similar effect, but it was just remarkably different. This comes down far earlier, it has one extra health, and it spawns something not as big as three fives that can continue to snowball those Trogs. The burly Rockjaw Trog, I don't, I don't even remember what that card was yeah. called. It makes the three fives that get plus two yeah. attack when your opponents play a spell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But here we spawn a taunt. So even though the stats are smaller, right? Again, protection on you, protection on the Ogremancer itself. Yeah. And it's a heavy snowballing nature. And, you know, all these weapon decks just get rolled over by this card. Yeah, the issue with Trogzor wasn't that the trigger wasn't like that a spell trigger is an issue. It's that if you look at, you see the same thing with card like Zeraku the Warped, where Making a bunch of stats doesn't matter if you're going to die while you get them. Uh, and yep. the defensive ability combined with Ogremancer's timing in the game, and it has seven health. Seven's enormous. He's thick. Yeah, thick boy. But yeah, but the point is, why is Ogremancer so impactful? Because this card had an imprisoned observer effect on Highlander Mage. It had a similar effect on Highlander Priest. It pushed these decks, it's also good in Druid, of course, but it pushed these decks enough to make them good enough to be contenders. And the moment they were good enough to be contenders and saw more play, we're going to see a lot of Highlander decks this higher in Forge. These decks happen to beat, very convincingly, beat Paladin and beat Warrior. So suddenly you see Lib and Paladin struggling against mage and priest having a difficult time dealing with these highlander decks and the rise of them and it dropped in its uh power and you see enraged warrior struggling even more got kicked out of tier one a deck that you know <laughs> is synonymous with being tier one a top legend suddenly not so much anymore just because it loses to all of the Highland decks. So Zephyrus is having one final showdown to remind us of Highland decks' influence over the last uh, year and a half since Savers of Doom, and is going out with a bang. And this bang is banging this meta to pieces. And we've got a situation where 
yeah, Rogue is good, maybe a little bit too good, maybe better than everything else. Rogue is far less offensive than, you know, meta tyrants, real meta tyrants that we've seen in the past. Because again, Ogremancer got that percentages, got those percentages against aggro rogue within multiple archetypes. Like it helped all the Highlander decks do better against aggro rogue because they have a stabilizer now. They can get it. And it's like maybe 2% extra, 3%. Those percentages matter a lot in the long run when you look at uh, a huge sample size. And had a huge impact. So now you see a meta that's extremely balanced. You see eight classes that have a positive win rate. Display a positive win rate at top legend. Hunter is not that far away either. And Shaman is also, okay, maybe lagging a bit. But all the classes seem playable, competitive, very closely matched. It's not like, you know, uh, we're saying Rogue is the best. Because it, it's lightly leaning. But... Highland the Priest is up there. Zoo is up there. Even Highland the Mage is doing really well. You can take all of these decks to ladder and do very well with them. It's not noticeable, the power level difference, not noticeable through the sample size of a single individual. Certainly not. So even though, you know, we have nearly 30% rogues at top legend, we have 20% rogues at elsewhere on ladder. Rogue is not like by far the best class and it's not even close and you can't even compete with it. You can certainly compete with it. Uh, and this all because of like those percentages by this one card. I'm like maybe I'm oversimplifying it. Obviously there are more things that help these Highlander decks perform than just Ogremancer, but Ogremancer is the biggest factor, I will say. So it's a very visible piece of the puzzle and a very important one. That will also, even as Highlander decks go away in, in the next standard year, I wouldn't be surprised to see Ogremancer in deckless as a two-of. It started. It, like, I've seen people start running Ogremancer in Wilkick Rogue. Wow. Uh, now, I'm not sure that's a good thing it, to yikes. do. Yeah. I'm not sure that's smart. Secret passage into your 5-mana 3-7. Yeah. People, people started putting it in, uh, uh, like... We're obviously, I may not be able to evaluate it, but I started seeing it pop up. It's happening frequently enough that it's on your radar, which tells you that it's, yeah, you know, it's not people just People started person. to respect this card. People started to respect this card and take it into consideration. Um, it, it's, it, it, now it's in, in people's minds. It's not going to be forgettable anymore. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, very interesting. Uh, so all of this you can thank if you if you want to thank uh, someone for the balanced meta right now you can thank this ogre boy uh, who's come up and you know I'm not a huge fan of Highlander decks right but uh, this pairing with uh, Zephyrus did some good uh, towards the end of the expansion and this may lead to a very exciting Masters tour honestly um, <laughs> this might be the most diverse tournament scene we've ever. Uh, We've ever seen lineup building feels impossible. Like there's just so much going on, and, and tr you know, I've, I I do have connections with with uh, some high level players, uh, and building lineups for this master store has been so difficult because there is so many decks that are contenders. There's so many decks that you need to think about and worry about. Like for example, Bomb Warrior is suddenly a deck that may become a big threat in this tournament scene because of the rise of the Highlander decks. 
but then Bam Warrior is really bad against Paladin. What do we do? Like, you suddenly have this dynamic of Paladin is really good, but then the Highlander decks are popping up. But then Bomb Warrior could kind of counter the Highlander decks. But Paladin's really good against Bomb Warrior. So what's going to win out, Hat? I have no idea. And this is just one of, like, ten other schematics in my head that you can describe the current meta dynamics in, in, in tournament scene that could that really make the situation very complex uh, when it comes to lineup building. I'll tell you what's, what's going to win out. The viewers, the spectators are going to win because we don't know what we're going to see. It'll be exciting. Yeah, we're going to see we're going to see a lot of different decks and I really can't tell you uh, what the best performing decks are going to be for this tournament. It could be anything. Yeah, uh, it really is. It really depends on what the field ends up being. Uh, because, for example, uh, Lifesteal Demon Hunter really struggling on ladder right now for a very good reason. But suddenly Highlander Mage is being played. Highland Mage is not good against Lifesteal Demon Hunter. So suddenly maybe that deck has more breathing room, uh, more space to operate in than it does on ladder at least. But yeah, we'll see what happens. People are thinking about Mozaki Mage. Right? I, yeah. I've seen rumblings on Twitter about Mozaki Mage suddenly... You know, to counter all the greediness, right? The slow decks are starting to pop up, counter the Paladin. Suddenly, Mozaki Mage could be a fringe choice. Maybe a sleeper good one in this situation. I don't know. Like, anything can happen in a tournament. Yeah, Yeah. the the best of three meta over the last week was super greedy. One of the better lineups was Triple Highlander, was Highlander, Mage, Priest, and Druid, of all things. And if you're against that, then yeah, you want to be on Mozaki Mage and OTK DH. Because there's only one Elusia in those three decks. Yeah, though Druid is, I think Druid does better against the OTK decks. Uh, Highland Druid is a big problem for uh, Demon Hunter, uh, particularly yeah. with all the armor but gain and the life gain and all that and stuff. Yeah, it's not. It's not. A, it's the pressure that they 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 exert a lot of pressure. Druid generally does very well uh, against uh, Life Steal Demon Hunter because it can ramp and pressure very quickly and pr- uh, produce uh, a lot of stats on the board, and that's. That's a struggle, right? It forces yeah. the Demon Hunter to utilize uh, artificers defensively, and that can take it, like, take out the consistency of the win condition. But in any case, it's going to be a very interesting meta to observe uh, in the Masters Tour. In the tournament, uh, tournament field is probably going to be very, very diverse because I think that there are a lot of good solutions to difficult problems. And uh, yeah, it's going to be great, I think, So for the spectators. Um, well, we have a, we can briefly skim over the meta. I don't think we need to go fully class by class, but I want to hear about any interesting developments you've seen. Um, just starting from the top, it looks like Rogue is a bit pretty stable, but at this point, is Nitro Boost, Poison, Core, and World Kick? Yeah, absolutely. Nitro Boost, Poison is far too good in uh, World Kick Rogue to, to ever cut. It's way better than Brain Freeze. Um, it, it gives you those percentages in the slow matchups. Uh, in the previous report, not this one, uh, you remember there was this story where the matchup percentages for Wilkick against Highlander Priest rose significantly because of the introduction of Nitro Boost Poison. And now Highlander Priest responded back and it's looking to gain an edge against uh, Rogue because of Ogre Mancer and a couple of other things. But yeah, Rogue is, is the same. Um, Secret Rogue might be a sleeper. I actually think that Secret Road could be, I don't know, Hat. It could be the best rogue deck in this Masters Tour, just because Secret Road happens to do well against Paladin and against the Highlander decks, better than Wilkick Road. It's worse against Aggro, but it's better if the field is going to become that greedy. So watch out for Secret Rogue. I could see that archetype 
sneaking in and doing some work in in Ironforge. Uh, but other than that, the two primary rogue decks are what they are, right? There's no yeah. there's no surprises. The builds are pretty much refined. And it is worth noting here, there was a leak that Nitro Boost Poison is almost certainly going to two mana. They posted a link to all the new upcoming player decks, which were clearly copy and pasted from the 20.0 client internally. Nitro Boost Poison was listed in the Warrior deck between Corsair Cash and Ringmaster's Baton, which are two mana cards, alphabetically. And then after it was pointed out, it mysteriously shifted to one mana up to the top of the deck between Athletic Studies and Shield Slam. Uh, you don't make a typo and put a, put a two mana card in the wrong place. Like, you don't, you don't just accidentally move a one mana card down between the twos. So expect Nitro Boost Poison when the 20.0 patch comes out to move to two mana. That will be, again, the strange in-between Franken meta, but we do have near confirmation that that is their card change. That's pretty much a, br- that's a brutal change. I actually don't like that change that much. I kind of wish they um, just nerfed the attack buff on the weapon by one, just make it plus one on the weapon, and kept it as one mana. I feel like in that situation, it gets pushed out by Will Kick Rogue and nerfs uh, Aggro Rogue enough for it to be just okay. Uh, I feel like this kills the card. Because think about what one attack in uh, Bog Spine Knuckles did to Evolve Shaman. Aggro Rogue is a very damage-centric deck. All the, the entire, the whole success of the deck comes from its damage. I think that just nerfing the attack by one would have nerfed its damage enough for it to not become not to be an issue anymore. So maybe this is a long-term change that they just don't want this card. But I feel like two mana, this change just kills its uh, usefulness even in weapon decks. Yeah, uh, I feel like it's too slow. The the Balancing factor, if I think about this from a from an amateur designer standpoint, I think the real issue is cutting class in that you have to really make sure that cutting class isn't too easy to play for zero. And so they need to make it a little bit more awkward. I do think the prep well, interaction in Rogue does make this card... There are worlds where you are playing sword anyways, you're playing cutting class anyways, and you think about including the two mana one just because prepping it to zero and corrupting it is still really strong. Uh, and you might still play it for cheap, and you still corrupt it with Sword on 3. But it is worse, it makes the deck harder to build, it makes the deck harder to curve out, and and the card is deleted for Warrior. It does not exist for Warrior anymore. It's completely gone. I think it's deleted for Rogue, too, honestly. For probably. For 2-mana, it's, 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 it's I think it's Cold Blood levels bad. I think it could have been 1-mana and have a plus attack and weapon. Also, that would have affected Cutting Class 2, would have slowed that card down. Um... I'm not. I'm not liking this change. I think this change is a little bit too harsh, uh, but um, we'll we'll see. I mean, I think that kills Agro Rogue actually. But it's not like Agro Rogue is not going to die with the rotation. It's going to die because it's going to lose Eviscerate. Like oh, the over the top damage, it's going to significantly drop. So losing Eviscerate is enough, I think, for that deck to not be a problem. The important thing is that during Franken Standard, during the last week of Standard, uh, we will not have Arcane Golem into one mana Nitro Boost. So I'm I'm kind of looking forward to not having to deal with that. Yeah, but it's just a weak hat, honestly. It's gonna be degenerate, and we're not gonna have a report for it even because we're we're gonna no, be we won't um, have the time a bit busy with content creation and stuff. Like for one week, who cares what's gonna be broken uh, at that time? Uh, like it, it doesn't really matter. Uh, right. But yeah, well, we'll we'll see what ends up. Maybe maybe it's uh it, it's possible that the the change is not gonna be two mana. Who knows? Maybe this is a uh, this is a yeah, it's a client thing. Maybe they 
got it off a client, but maybe it's some some test server. I don't know what that is. It could be a it, it could end up being a different change. We don't know. We don't know, but we'll I would I'll I'll I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I mean pretty it's a pretty sure. I mean it's a pretty safe bet that Nitro Boost is going to two mana, but until we know for sure we can't rule anything else off. We don't I know for say sure that this kills the card. Yeah, I wouldn't say for sure, but I wouldn't bet against it if it was yeah, if yeah. I was given odds. Um yeah, yeah. but yeah, it is it is probably enough to kill the card, and if it's not, it's just because prep is really good and we end up needing cutting class, but most likely we're we're done here. Uh, just because the version yeah, yeah. of the deck only exists because it's able to scam so much mana by everything being a little bit too cheap. And just the damage. Like the damage here is just cold blood level, I think. It's just far too inefficient. I think if it was one one mana then and just less damage, I think the card still would have been played in aggro rogue and the deck would have been significantly worse, but still playable. Now I, I just don't think it's it's gonna be a thing. Um, in any case, that's Rogue. In terms of, I think after that, then you have to talk about the Highlander classes. So we'll start with Druid, right? So remember what I said about, you know, gibberling Druid players? If they run into an Ogremancer, then they're in big trouble. We yeah. definitely saw that. We definitely saw that over the last uh, week or so when Ogremancer comes out, the win rate of gibberling goes down. Um, there are other things that cause the deck to, to get a little bit worse, but that's the main thing, I would say. Uh, also, the fact that Highlander Mage and Highlander Priest, which utilize Ogamancer, um, are also just good against in, those, in that matchup. So if Highlander Mage rises in popularity, and it, it becomes both more popular and also even better than before against Gibberling Druid, then that's troubling. Uh, Highlander Druid rose in, in its win rate and looks pretty decent, very competitive. But it is the worst uh, Highlander deck out of the three. If I look at Mage, Priest, and Druid, I would say that Druid is the worst one. And personally, the one that I think is the most questionable one going into Ironforge, for example, unless you're looking to just counter uh, Demon Hunter. Um, that's the main uh, asset that it possesses. It's very good at countering Demon Hunter, and maybe it's good against Mage too, but um, Highlander Druid has some other issues. Also, um, some of the matchups that it's good against are some of the decks that are struggling. Things like Spell Damage Mage on Ladder right now. Not very hot. So if those decks decline, then Highlander Druid will find more unfavorables. So I don't think that deck is un has the momentum to keep getting better. But it is playable, and it's, very it's been very successful for several individuals at Top Legend. It's it's a decent deck. It looks, um, but it's mostly a top legend deck, right? Because the field there, the enraged warriors, the lifesteal demon hunters, it just has more uh, better matchups outside of that specific meta at top legend. I don't recommend it at all. Uh, so that's druid. The build just go pretty defensive. Uh, you know there are there are builds that run Yasharaj with the, you know corrupt cards, but Yasharaj looks really bad in Highlander Druid, at least for ladder. Um, Yog is the better comeback card in this situation, and you want to build the deck very defensively. You don't have to worry that much about threats because Arbor Up is a, a big finisher for this deck. So now you actually have Zephyrus and Arbor Up as really good finishers to capitalize whenever you have a board lead. Arbor Up was huge for Highlander Druid. So that's Druid. 
you have anything to say, Hal, before I go into Mage? Just keep on rolling through the Highlander classes. Um, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I like the we the version that we're of Druid that we have on the site. I like that we're not playing the greedy cards because the only thing you need to do with Druid is draw a ramp and not die. So we have a bunch of things that make us do that. And if you're playing Druid with Yasharaj in order to be greedy decks, play something else. That's not what this is for. Right? Like we're not we're not a super high threat density deck, and that's not what it's supposed to be. You don't need the greed to to win the matchups, the good matchups for the deck. You just need to live against the bad matchups, right? So that uh, that's pretty much it. When it comes to mage, again, spell damage mage. I think the hype really died down. The deck is probably still overplayed. One of the decks that are is really struggling right now. Lost percentage against paladin. Still terrible into warrior. Um, and also, aggro rogue is losing steam. So that's the one matchup that it thrived off. So not looking too good. Uh, Highland the Mage, big rise in its win rate. A lot of it has to do with Ogremancer. Um, it's a really good stabilizing card paired with the, you know, decent amount of life gain that the deck possesses now with Cartoot and uh, Armor Vendor and uh, Ice Barrier. You can actually do that pretty consistently, stabilize against Aggro Rogue. Uh, you're still running an Ooze. One Ooze is good. Sticky Finger no longer needed too heavy of a card. Uh, Ogremancer is even better than uh, Sticky Finger against Aggro Rogue because it's just insane. So that build in ladder um, that it's in the report very very promising, very successful on ladder. Very good against Priest. Very good against Paladin, and also goes fifty fifty against the Rogue archetypes. So very close to that. So quite a good deck right now. Priest um, rose in its win rate, gained back percentages against the in the Rogue matchups. Percentages that it lost a couple weeks ago because of Nitro Boost Poison. Ogremancer in this deck is the best Ogremancer, the best version of the card. Why? Because you have like Apotheosis, you very often randomly generate buffs that make it even more oppressive, and it's just hugely, it's like, it just synergizes so well with the hero power too. You can just value trade forever and just lock out games with that card. So, uh, low curve. Uh, you don't need a lot of threats, right? You're running Galakron mostly for the mirror matchup. Um, you, you're you going to miss it in the mirror matchups very often, at least judging by how we, we've we evaluated the card. That's why it's still in. I wish I could cut it, honestly. Uh, but it's too mandatory for the mirror. Uh, but yeah, tons of removal, tons of good defensive tools. Uh, it's a difficult deck to play, but... Its rise in win rate is in, in higher levels is more of a factor of a more favorable meta than the skill. It's a skill testing deck, but it's not like the, the difference in win rates that you see across rank brackets uh, is mostly due to meta reasons, right? It's like it's like three percent better. That those are not three or four percent because of just players playing the deck better. That you may attribute maybe one percent, one and a half percent to that. But a lot of it has to do with more favorable meta. Other priest decks, not very good. Or uh, that's an understatement. Look pretty bad. So those are the Highlander decks. And they've made a huge impact over the last week. And I think it's done well uh, in in general. Yeah. It's seen more priests. They, they, it's a good deck. Highlander Priest is a good deck, and it's uh, it's finally gotten the recognition. We've been talking about it this meta for a while, but uh, I do think that in, in tournaments it is the very best deck you can yes. bring. Like I think at, I think Highlander Priest is the 
one that's most likely to have a near 100% uh, representation in tournament lineups. In Ironforge, I feel like this deck is almost mandatory uh, to include in tournament lineups. Like Rogue is mandatory as a class, but whether it's aggro or will kick or even secret, there's a lot of deliberation there. I think Highland the Priest is just a no-brainer. You want priests and you want this priest. Like we might see some resurrect priests. It's lineups are starting to come out. I'm collecting the lineups yeah. while you're while you're going over, and then we'll oh, I want to we'll touch on them briefly. Um, but Paladin, I assume, is mostly Broom at this point. Uh, Cheese is dead, and Broom is strong. I mean, Cheese is not dead, but it's it's dead at top. Like you don't play, you don't see the top legend at all. At all. Uh, it's actually it's one rate is actually not bad, but yeah, it lost a lot of steam. It's mostly Librum. Librum is actually struggling. Um, you can adjust for the slower matchups by writing Loot Hoarder as a seventh prior target, uh, because they, you know, slower matchups have good removal for your Braggart, but if you, you're less likely to run out of resources, you may have a chance, but again, differences here are very minimal. The build itself kind of, like, is, is very fleshed out and refined and settled. Um, you can deal well with it, but the deck definitely got worse. Lifesteal Demon Hunter is another deck that on ladder got a lot worse. I actually think that the fact that it got worse on ladder might make it better for Ironforge because like people are so fixated at countering it. And maybe now when people realize that this deck is not the nuts, right? It's not as good as people think said it was uh like a few weeks ago, it might help it find a more favorable field. But that's pretty much it. Highland the Druid is a huge uh problem. The Rise of Highland Druid, a huge problem for Lifesteal Demon Hunter. Warrior, another class that lost steam because of the Rise of the Highland decks, mostly in Rage Warrior. Warrior, uh, what I've noticed is, I feel like Silas Warrior would actually be pretty solid right now. Like, that's kind of the direction I think I would go. And Rage is definitely, mm. like, I'm not sure if that's true. I, that's just a feeling. It's not based on any data. I agree. And, like, for for this tournament, I agree. For this tournament, I agree. I think that I, I highly question whether Enrage Warrior is a good bring for Ironforge um, because I don't believe in the aggro lineups and uh, Enrage Warrior is just terrible into the Highlander decks. Silas has better, more game, but on ladder it is worse because it's worse against aggro rogue and there are a lot of aggro rogues. But it's not like Enrage Warrior is bad right now. It's still fine, right? It's competitive. It just was tier one before, and now it's not that not not that great on ladder. I think that people are are playing it on ladder as the farewell tour. It, this has been a beloved deck for the people that have held on to it since Ashes, and it's still good. And if you know it, it's way better. Like it's a it's a really difficult deck to play, but once you know it, you kind of see the matrix, and it's really strong. Uh, and I imagine that people that are playing it are playing it because they know it really well, and it's going away forever in two weeks. Yep. Other Warrior decks don't see much play on ladder, but Bomb Warrior, watch out for this deck in Ironforge. Yeah. Uh, this, it, it, yeah. Like, feels it's like a deck police. that we're pro- It's the fun police. That's what the deck is for. <laughs> uh, it's the Zephyrus police, uh, yeah. mostly. It's really good against, like, weird lineups like Mozaki Mage and Lifesteal Demon Hunter and Highlander decks. Very good against them. But it is a risk, right? Because it's terrible into aggressive lineups it's terrible into paladin it's terrible into zoo uh no actually isn't that bad into zoo at all it's mostly struggles against like 
when its life total is really pressured. So Aggro Rogue destroys it. If you bring mm. Bomb Warrior, you have to ban Aggro Rogue, uh, and you have troubles if they also bring Paladin. That becomes uh, a bigger issue. Warlock, Zoo, has gotten a lot better, because Zoo really likes to see Druid on ladder. And... Uh, Honestly, I think Zoo is underrated, both on ladder and possibly for this for this tournament because it does well into into slower matchups. And we also looked in the data and we found a way to make it even better in the slow matchups, which is running Revenant Rascal. This card is huge against Highlander decks because it just stalls their breakpoints, their power spikes. Think about Mage stalling the Reno turn, stalling the. Alexstrasza or the Caligos or whatever, like stalling the answers, the removal. You just slow the deck down by a turn while still being able to develop. Same for Priest. Revenant Rascal is huge against Priest. Huge. Like, this card is insane. I know a lot of people have been testing Neophytes. Neophytes is a trap, guys. It's not actually a good card in the matchup you think it's good in. It's mostly good against, like, Gibberling Druid because their entire deck is spells. It's not actually good against Agro Rogue. They just develop a couple of stealth minions, and they play around it. Not a big deal for Agro Rogue. Lots of people think that card is good against Agro Rogue. It is not. Uh, it's also not very effective against Priests. What you want to do is you want to Rascal them out of the game. Revenant Rascal looks nuts right now. Um, and it's a great answer to what's developing in the meta. Just fantastic. So run Revenant Rascal on ladder if you... I would have also recommended it to bring it for this tournament as well. Um, card just really good right now. And it's funny because the card used to be bad, but meta changed and card's power level changed. Well, it was it was good. We played it at the very beginning, and I think right when Darkman Fair came out, we played out. it, and then we dropped it because it was not good enough. And now it's coming back again. Yeah, really good in in some of these slower matchups that are rising in popularity, uh, especially Priest. I can't overstate how good this card is against Priest. Just makes them cry. So Zoo actually has really good matchups into slower decks, especially if you run Rascal. And, you know, it's one of these decks, you know, aggro decks usually, um, you know, they can struggle against heavy removals, but Zoo can go for a long time. You've got a lot of draw, you've got a lot of longevity and late game power, so it can actually handle these matchups very well. Uh, so, really good deck right now. Even Galakron Warlock, it's kind of funny, because I think we're going to see some... Galakron and Control Warlock in this Master Tour, just because some people will think, oh, I want to counter a Priest and the Paladin and Mage. And what that, what does that? Control Warlocks, Galakron Warlocks, actually do that. They stomp Priest. They stomp Paladin. And they also do very well against Hal and the Mage. So I actually wouldn't be surprised to see some of these Warlocks. I don't see, I don't expect much of them, but we're going to see some of them. Like, hard counter Priest lineups. Like, Go all in on countering Priest, Paladin, Mage. And uh, yeah, we saw we see it on ladder too. Galakron Warlock did get better. Control Warlock still looks mostly a meme. Not mostly. It looks like a meme. All of its builds look like memes. But Galakron Warlock got better. It's still not great on ladder. Like if you're going to run into aggro rogues, you're going to have a bad time. But it did gain percentages. It's a little bit better because of the meta changes. Shaman and Hunter, still, nobody cares about these decks. Uh, nobody even bothers to run Ogremancer in these decks, in these classes. Okay. 
Uh, John Bray cares about Shaman. Nobody else cares yeah. about either of these, but John Bray cares yeah, about Shaman. Yeah. Pretty much, pretty much. But I, yeah, will I, say expect, probably, I expect Hunter to be like, the least played class in the Masters Tour. Fair, fair. I do expect it to. It's not because it's terrible. I just don't see a role for it. Right? I, I struggle to envision a role for it. It's, uh, high-level players didn't like running Hunter when it was good. They certainly won't yeah. like running it when it's boring and mediocre. Yeah, I expect to see very little of it, if at all. Uh, same for Shaman. I don't, I don't think you're going to see much of them. So that's, that's the meta. The only reason I say it's not Shaman is because I'm looking at the lineups and John Bray brought Shaman, and I haven't seen anybody that brought Hunter. So he might single-handedly oh, wow. he increase. He brought Shaman. He actually, the madman. Did he, he did. bring his mid-train Shaman? So, uh, so this is it. We're going to wind on the report here. Uh, brief meta report. There are three kinds of archetypes. There's greed, there's anti-greed, and there's combo. Listen, orange, orange and, and dead, dead draw. draw. Yeah. Brought Mozaki, Lifesteal DH, and Silas OTK with Highlander Priest. Basically, everything is OTK. Full OTK lineup looking to counter the Highlander builds, um, the control builds uh, on ladder. Very exciting to see how they do with that kind of lineup. His orange's priest deck is named Delete Mind Render. So I don't know if you two have some kind of psychic connection, but he's on the same page as you. Uh, we, we agree. We see eye to eye on many things. On other yes. things, maybe less so, but we see eye to eye on many things. Uh, good uh, luck, Orange, anyway. Um, and yeah, Jambre brought... So I think we can call this his midrange shaman. Doesn't have a doom hammer, but it tops out at Lurker Below. Uh, Bomb Warrior, Rally Lebrun Paladin, and Revenant Rascal Zoo. So this is the kind of lineup that I would play if I wanted to beat Highlander decks. John Bray is a smart man. He brought the good zoo build. Good, yep. good job. He figured it out. Yep. No soul fires, two rascals, two moshers. Uh, and, yep, that's yeah. the zoo build. That's and the zoo build. There are quite a few paladins going around, Labroom paladins, that have rally and murder. Uh, so it looks like they're planning on outvaluing priests because they're expecting a lot of Highlander decks, a lot of priests. It's like... John Bray's lineup is like classic counter slow matchups. The rally and double loop holder says it all. Like that build is mostly beat priest. Yes. And his midrange shaman is as well beat priest. And his zoo is geared to beat priest. Bomb warrior beat priest. I actually really like John Bray's lineup. He's a smart guy. I know this podcast has, has deteriorated into live discussion of lineups as they're posted on Twitter. But I actually like where this is going. This is good but content. And so you look at yeah. like, and you look at players like Yarla. They're making the same decision. Yarla brought Quest Warlock. Quest yeah, Warlock. I expected the, Yes, yes. This is the counter priest, counter paladin lineup that I just said talked about uh, a few minutes ago. I would expect to see some people bring control warlock, ticketus warlocks into this yes. field just because they know that priest is an automatic brain and paladin. Well, and Highlander Mage are also going to be very prevalent, and this, this, the, these decks—that's what they do. That's the only thing they do. Hat. That's the one thing they do. Not very good on ladder. Very bad on ladder, actually, usually. But in tournaments, in this specific field, maybe. But actually, John Bray's lineup, I have to say, is is very very smart. Yes, it's actually very thoughtful. He did not bring Shaman just because he's John Bray. He actually built a good lineup around it. It's it's a good deck, and there are good choices here. 
so this Master Sword is going to be really interesting. And it looks like the meta is really greedy and then people got smart with anti-greed. And imp So the general disclaimer, and the last bit we'll say about Conquest X, generally Conquest X don't translate well to ladder. For this Master Tour, they really will not translate to ladder. If you try and net deck these decks and bring them straight to ladder and play Rally Paladin, you're just going to get blown out by self-sharpening swords. Yeah, yeah. The running Rally double loot order is mostly a nudge towards uh, Priest matchup. And slower matchups in general. It's just that. But that build is far inferior on ladder because it's slow. It's slower. Yeah, but yeah, I'm excited to see what happens. I'm seeing lineups on Twitter, and honestly, they're very different from each other. So pretty much what I expected. Very diverse field. And, you know, when the field is this diverse, it's going to come down to good play. It's going to come down to who executes game plans best. So Yeah, and there's a level of, like, meta lineup planning that's going on here. And you do want to, like, if you're bringing the combo lineup and you end up against the rascal zoo you're probably not super thrilled about it um you know there's going to be a level of next level planning here but also it just depends on what do you hit which matchups do you hit yeah it's going to be interesting it's going to be interesting it's going to come down to uh whoever perfected their their builds uh for their respective lineups and whoever executes on the day uh, also it comes down to some luck of course Considering the sample size is not that high, it's not like they're playing 100 games against each, each other. But um, it's going to come down to good play. I expect the cream to rise to the top, regardless of lineups. So, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably already watching it by the time you hear this episode. But Yeah, it's going to be delayed. That's just uh, like our initial reaction, which is still going to be maybe an interesting listen for some players. Yeah, the time is currently... 10.27 a.m. my local time, uh, later than that for Zach, but decklists were, were started to get tweeted at 10 a.m. local. So we just, we saw them and we're talking about them. Um, so we're done with that now, but what you're hearing is live processing reactions with each other with no other, uh, it, it'll be fun to look yeah. back in time at the end of the weekend and see what, see how close we were. Yeah, but uh, it's not like we made huge predictions, but no. Yes, Revenant Rascal, good against mana-hungry combo decks. Whoa, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, people figured out, like, because I knew, I knew that people were testing a lot of neophytes, and I was saying, oh, if people are going to bring Zoo with neophytes, they're going to regret it. Uh, but I'm seeing, um, I'm seeing Rascals, so I'm happy. That makes me happy. Oh, I'm seeing also some neophytes, unfortunately. Yeah, that card's not <laughs> unfortunate. That card's not as good at what it's trying to do as people think it is. But anyways, yeah, yeah, it's, not, it's not. And so beyond just seeing what's going on in current standard, we should talk about what's going on in future standard and wild because the nerf versions are coming. So we want to give our brief impressions here of the cards they're changing back. So we'll go class by class here. So as a reminder, these cards change with the 20.0 patch which we expect at this point to be uh, March 23rd, a Tuesday, and last in standard, where applicable, for a full week, and then they will permanently be changed in wild. So, we get to play with a bunch of these cards. Starting with Druid, Keeper of the Grove is back to a 2-4, and Ancient of Lore is back to draw two cards. Neither of these cards are going to see play in wild. I actually think, though, that Lore may have had a chance... Uh, if it stayed and we still have overgrowth, it's kind of decent follow-up to overgrowth because we're losing overflow. But 
in wild no chance. This is the kind of card that got nerfed again. Way back when the power level was different. Now it wouldn't be touched. Card draw is so much better now. Yeah, it's... I Hearthstone has passed these cards by. I expect that if Highlander Druid is a thing for that week, we probably throw in a Keeper of the Grove just to have a, a silence and a body that's kind of okay. But none of these cards are really exciting. And neither of them will see wild play. Um, Hunter, gets Hunter, a little, though. Hunter gets a lot more interesting. Starving Buzzard is back to a 2-minute. 2-1. Flare is back to 1-mana. Ran is back if you didn't dust him. And Hunter's Mark is back to the second version where it costs 1. Gosh, this card used to cost 0. I don't think uh, I don't know if Hunter's Mark will be all that relevant right now, but Boy Starving Buzzard sure will be. Imagine Buzzard and Wolpertinger. Seems like a good combination to me. Wolpertinger, there's also... Uh, Desert Spear is around. We still have Unleash. Um, Springpaw. So, not in standard. Springpaw is not in standard, but in wild, yes. Yeah, yeah, but in wild. Like, this card, like, it's not... I, I don't think... I think it gives Hunter a chance, a better chance to compete in wild, especially with the Dino Tamer brand change. I really like that, that they reverted it. I think Hunter has a, a better chance, especially with some of the neutrals that are also being reverted. We'll talk about that yeah. uh, in, a, in a second. But yeah, Hunter, th- this is a good... Flare might be relevant because of Secret Mage. Um, so it being a one-mana card now makes it far more playable. So Hunter Hunter got good buffs here. Yeah, it's... Starving Buzzard's a pretty gross card at two mana. I wonder if it'll be actually impactful for Wild. Hunter has been historically very, very weak in Wild, so I don't know if it'll change. Um, we'll see. Like, I don't know if it's enough for Wild on turn five, six, draw, like, play this and unleash and draw, like, three cards. I'm not sure that's enough. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if Hunter's Mark was zero alongside it, then I would have said, oh, this is actually could be a Dark Glare Warlock counter. Like, they play a bunch of giants, and you starving, like, you buzzard unleash, and you draw your marks, and they cause zero, so you can still deal with the giants. But, since like, they kept Hunter's Mark 1 on purpose here, obviously. Because when back in Classic, you're gonna experience it. Buzzard, unleash, draw, like, a bunch of cards, find yeah. your zero mana Hunter's Mark, and remove, like, completely ruin a handlock's day that often happens so. i think the entire classic format will end up ruining handlock's days but eh, that's neither here nor there we'll have to see um, we'll see but yeah yes. mage mage mana worm now this is it's the nerf they should again they should have done this nerf that's to mana worm nerf. in the beginning this is the original nerf 100 percent. yeah so looking at mage mana worm this is the nerf they should have done in the first place and i'm glad they're finally giving him some justice even at two health i'm not even sure this sees wild play but it'll be fun and standard to get our Ray of Frost on for a little bit. Yeah, um, Mana Worm is, is definitely the chain that should have been made in the first place. One Mana, one, two, very comparable to Battle Fiend, far less offensive card. It's mostly about the survivability of the one drops rather than the attack value. You also remember that from Undertaker. Uh, Conjure's Calling, uh, back to three. Probably not going to make a huge impact on Wild. But may make some noise in standard uh, for the last week if maybe Cyclo Mage can make better use of it, uh, and also Dragon Caster is back to six. We've got puzzle boxes on six again. Had for one last week. Hound the Mage will probably shove that package back in. Yeah, 
I, I mean, the, the big mana cheating, you'll probably, Highlander Mage probably adds both of these cards, Calling and yep. Dragoncaster, because you can, on if you have access to nine mana with the coin or whatever, uh, you you get to play Dragoncaster and Calling and a ten mana spell. You get to do everything, or just get a power creation out there. Uh, I'm grateful that Mountain Giant is not currently in standard, but we still have C and mana, so I imagine there will be some people getting their Cyclone on for that last week as well. Yep. And guess what, Hat? Call to Arms is Oof. back for four mana. Get your even paladin. <gasps> Oof. I don't know, Hat. I don't know. I don't know if even paladin is going to be a top tier deck because of this. But if it does become a top tier deck, it's going to be because of this, right? <laughs> I a, mean, a bold statement that if even paladin is good is because of the card that made it a deck in the first yeah, place. Zacho just made a huge bold statement. Yes, yes. Um, Cult Arms is nuts at four mana. We know it is, but maybe in wild format, it's not going to be as offensive. But, you know, maybe you're going to see, like, Aggro Paladins running Rally and Cult Arms. Not even or odd, just Aggro Paladins. Just maybe. All the arms, all the four mana broken stuff um, could be promising, especially when the cards synergize with themselves, right? And what they encourage, kind of the similar drops, similar kind of cards, good stats. Call to Arms, good card. Good card might see play. Yeah, good card might see play. Priest, we've got Powered of she- uh, powered Shield back to its um, initial iteration, first iteration. One mana draws a card. That should help Priest and WoW. I'm not sure that's a good thing, but it does. <laughs> but here, where we're really excited. That's about the rogue changes. And the rogue changes, you know, you okay. can talk about them. You said excited. There's there's one card in this list I am not excited about. So let's not go nuts what? here. Necrim Apothecary. What? They printed Foxy Fraud. Oh. It's so gross. Oh, right. There is the deck right now running around in wild. A very low play rate that runs Deathwind Dragonlord and does weird things. Like It's it's very much like a the kind of a Naga Sea Witch kind of deck. With the huge cheating out of huge minions on turn five on four, and it's very unfair. So, Apothecary going to four mana could become a, a stronger enabler for that kind of deck. Galakron really like the fact that they unnerfed Galakron. I really don't think this card in Wild is going to make that big of an impact. It's it's the swing turn, even when uh, when the cards cost zero. Is usually too late. Blade Flurry is very interesting. For two mana AoE, this could be a Kingsbane Rogue kind of card, or at least maybe push Kingsbane into more of a controlish playstyle. Doesn't go face anymore. So, like, the current yes. Kingsbane decks have no interest in a card that doesn't go face. The entire deck is just yeah. face damage outside of, like, maybe yes, but prize saying, yeah. But I'm saying if you want to play a more attrition style of Kingsbane Rogue, Blade Flurry two mana becomes quite enticing. We remember that the that defensive iteration of Kingsbane Rogue was played, was quite popular and powerful uh, before the nerf to Leeching Poison. Once that nerf happened, that kind of variant uh, dropped off the face of the earth. Maybe a two-mana Blade Flurry brings it back. I think that card is pretty good now for, for like defensive weapon decks. But but Edwin obviously goes back to three-mana, but Caverns Below Hat, if the there's anything reversion. that's going to make me... The full reversion. Four minions, five five stats, the Angora version. Let me remind you which cards Rogue did not have back then. Animated Broomstick, Vicious Scalehide, Crab Rider, 
had this is gonna be insane or scary or but I love it because I'm a quest rogue degenerate and I'm gonna this is what's gonna make me play wild. I wanna see I wanna try out quest rogue then. Uh Flybooter was not available. We can complete the quest the the, the quest with one card in a shadow step. That's it. Flybooter completes the quest. You can play people have been playing um Captain's Parrot just to tutor out the Flybooter. That's a thing in Quest Rogue that they can abuse. So I'm excited to see what happens there. But yeah, Quest Rogue. So that, that's my favorite revert. I really wanted to be able to play Quest Rogue and wow. There's an important note here that while we're talking about both Apothecary and the Rogue Quest, Stone Tesbor is not the same as it used to be, but very important note. A couple days ago, Alec on Twitter said, with the unnerfs, more on Boar soon. Yeah, there were complaints about Boar and Blue Gill not being a, you're not able to play these iterate uh, these cards in Wild, and they made them into rush cards. But now this could hint us that they've taken the feedback and might be willing to change their stance. Maybe keep Boar and Blue Gill as they are in Wild and print different cards for the core set iterations with the rush. So if that happens. And Quest Rogue and Wild has South Sea Deckhand and Boar and Daring Escape. Hmm. That could be a little bit of a problem, Matt. But a problem I'm willing to... Uh, it's a problem I'm willing to create. Yeah. It's, it's also worth noting that Sonya, that interaction is still nerfed. Um, that if you, if you have a 5-5 five five and then it dies with Sonya in the board, you get a 1-1 one one back and it stays a 1-1. One one. Does, not, does not become a 5-5 five five again. Uh, so the quest rogue that we see in wild will be different from the one we played in standard. Not a lot different, uh, but and it will be more efficient to complete the quest with blood sail flybooter. But it will be fun to try out, and it could potentially be a relevant deck. It could potentially be real. We don't know at this point. Necrim apothecary with foxy fraud as well. I don't know what the build will be. It also depends a lot on if boar comes back. I just hate this card. This is this is Barnes. I hate this card. Yeah, I can see that could be a problem, but you know, there's some there's a, enough degeneracy on wild. If it happens, if it becomes overbearing, then they'll just nerf it. Um, we know that they are willing to nerf the kind of Naga Sea Witch kind of decks. Shaman, same treatment. Galakron nerfs all of them reverted. Love to see that because again, I think that Galakron in, in wild is just not going to be that big of a deal. Flankton Totem back to two mana. That's huge for even Shaman and Totem Shaman decks in general. Spirit Claws is back. Oh, that card was back in the day. But we won't have so spell oppressive. damage Totem anymore. We don't have spell damage. Yep, we, we don't have that yeah. is true. But it gives some, I don't know, maybe some spell damage synergy in Shaman. We're going to see some of that. Zappy Boy. Zappy Boy has all of our hopes. Yeah, Zappy Boy. That is true. Nava Zapper. And uh, in Warlock, we also see a reversion to Galakron uh, nerf with Fiendish Rites coming back. So maybe Zoo decks. And who, who am I kidding? They're still going to play Dark Lair and the Flesh Giants thing. Uh, Warlock, Warrior, again. More reversions on Galakron nerf. Sign of Ruin is back to three mana. That's actually quite intriguing. I think that could make, could push Galakron Warrior. That deck is kind of fringe playable right now in Wild. So maybe Sign of Ruin at three mana uh, becomes a thing that we want to play. Bloodsworn Mercenary reverted. Doesn't change the burst ca damage capabilities. Just changes the stats. Not a big deal there. But Charge. 
is back to giving charge. And that's interesting, Hat. Because that gives Warrior a way to pretty easily OTK opponents. Warrior? Win condition? And well, There's some goofy Warrior stuff going on. Yeah, the Galakrond Warrior with bombs was fringe playable, but charge is the interesting one here. Don't know what's going to happen, but someone's going to die when this card gets played. It's going to be interesting. Well, there are plenty of ways to OTK in WoW. I, I, I think Charge might see playing standard for that last week. Uh, maybe in Enrage Warrior, you play Raging Worgen and Bloodsworn Mercenary. That's kind of spooky. Neutrals. Undertaker Woof. is back to plus one, plus one. Now, my initial reaction is like, what? Are you kidding me? One of the, the cards that enable one of the most broken decks of all time is back. But, you know, in WoW... Maybe it's okay. It's probably is. Um, it's probably gonna get like people are gonna try and experiment uh, with it in Hunter with maybe eggs and stuff like that. Death Rattle, like an early game Death Rattle Hunter, could become viable as a result of this. But I, I'm not scared of this card actually breaking anything in Wild. Um, it's just a different format. Like remember, Undertaker came in to the classic format, which was of a far different parallel. Um, Arcane Golem is back to charge. It's a 4-2 with charge again. Spooky. Odd Rogue. Yeah, Odd Rogue. Uh, that's the first thing I think about when I look at this card. May want to run this card. Leper Gnomes are back. 2-1 uh, again. So that Big helps Undertaker. Toxic Reinforcements. Toxic Reinforcements toxic gets a reinforcements lot better. Now, now summons two ones. It feels like these changes uh, really... They're trying to push Hunter here. I think they're trying to help Hunter and Wild compete better, possibly. Yeah. And, uh, Baku Hunter looks insane with these cards. And also, if you ever look at a list of Hearthstone nerfs, you will realize that the original Face Hunter was probably one of the most nerfed decks in history. Yep. Be, uh, for a good reason. But yep. yeah, a lot of these changes are revers- reverting the aggressive Hunter builds of yesteryear. And maybe they could compete in Wild with some of the new additions like toxic reinforcements that card seems kind of crazy when leopard gnomes are two ones it's it's six damage no matter what like six damage is happening it could be 12 it could be 18 but it definitely yeah, at yeah. least six yeah and knife juggler is back to three two Oof. so this card is very powerful especially with call to arms yep going back to four uh four mana that's gonna be a thing bone mare reverted to seven mana probably not gonna be impactful in wild turn seven it's too late i mean it's good stats but it it comes too late for wild serenite chain gang one of the community's most favorite cards ever most memorable cards summons a copy again that helps shadow walk shaman even though that deck is garbage and wild maybe that is a little bit of a push but a lot of like hand buffing decks may consider this now um, it, it, it's a pretty. It, it's one of the more solid cards. Uh, uh, one of the most solid uh, four drops that's available, even in the wild format. Yeah, we already had Doppelgangster, but it's not a defensive drop. It's really slow. You yep. have to find time to play it. Serenite is just better on curve, and it makes Highlander Shutterwalk Shaman more playable. Probably not enough, but you could go like Highlander Galakron Shutterwalk Shaman, maybe have a real deck. But the important thing is that finally you get to hear again. How long can this go on? Yep. Finally. You're going to hear Yeah. Yep. And Ark, uh, Elysiana is back to 8 mana. That this doesn't... is a nerf, by the way. This is a nerf to yeah, Odd Warrior. Odd, Odd Warrior. Did Odd Warrior even play? Like, I don't it think, did. like, 
fatigue fatigue just doesn't matter like ad warrior want like probably is going to try to do something with charge <laughs> and try to kill people rather than fatiguing them i i'm i'm i don't think fatigue win conditions are very viable in well so it's not like odd warrior uh, did well in late game matchups it it does pretty horrible there so i don't think this ma- nerf actually matters this change actually matters for it dqa i expected it fully expected the reversion it's turn 9 um i don't think that dragon queen alexstrasza is even going to be played by highlander decks in wild because it just comes down too late uh, for it to be relevant in most matchups but it's a good change because again you buff it and it's still fringe playable then it's it's a good change albatross bad luck albatross is back to three mana this is something that's going to impact wild because highlander decks are reno decks are very good there and albatross is a really good weapon to stall their win conditions um, so especially here's like- what i'm gonna say about this card i hope this is the most impactful reversion because if it's not something gross happened so i hope it's this one because I know this card will see play, all the odd decks will for sure see it. I hope this is the biggest change to Wild. Because if it's Arcane Golem, then something bad happened. I don't know if it's even going to be bad. I, I think it's like hyper-aggressive decks that don't have sticky boards can can really struggle in Wild. Because there's so much life gain, so much like removal and stuff. So I, I'm not too concerned about like Hunter, Face Hunters only being too good in Wild. I don't think that's going to happen. No, it's the concern that I have, the concern that I have that I share from Memnark on Twitter is that Arcane Golem goes into Dark Lair Warlock and you just power overwhelming it a bunch of times. That is the thing oh, that I am worried about. That that possibly could be a thing, yeah. But Albatross, I think, uh, is a fine card and like a deck like Odro can play it and really uh, put pressure on uh, Reno decks over there. And then the final change, we have Frenzied Felwing. Personally, I don't think this card is even going to be played, even as it's a 3-3. But, yeah, again, if it's a reversion that makes the card still, like, fringe playable at best, then it's a good reversion. There's a lot of change here. Wild, I I don't play a ton of Wild. I'm not going to claim to have a a really close understanding of the format, but I will say this seems like, even though most of these reversions are probably not going to have big dents, there are a few that could and it's enough of a change that I think the format will at least feel fresh for a little bit. For a little bit. And we'll see. Just look at what one Ogre Boy can do yeah. to a format. So, yeah. So all these changes, even if some of these cards make an impact, that means it's, it can snowball into a bigger impact. So it, I think these changes are good. I'm happy to see them. I'm really happy to see Quest Rogue. Like, I really like the fact that I can play some slower rogue decks maybe now in wild rather than just face king's bane and face out rogue uh so maybe apothecary could be a problem like i think if apothecary becomes a problem though it's gonna get nerfed again uh, i i don't I think so. it's gonna be a problem i, I don't, I don't think it's gonna be a problem not a problem i just don't think it'll be fun i think dark glare warlock already does what apothecary rogue is supposed to do and it does it faster and more consistently. I, I don't want multiple Dark Lair Warlocks in the format. I don't think that that is necessarily healthy at one, so having more of them doesn't make me feel better, or doesn't make me want to play the format more. I don't know if it'll be overpowered, I just know that every time I've interacted with that card in a meta deck, it's, it's been very unpleasant to interact with, and it, it's just swinging in all the ways that I don't like. So, 
I don't know if it'll be broken. I just know that the play pattern of recruit out a card and then cheat a bunch of mana to get the effect right away has been pretty pretty unpleasant in my experience. Okay. But wild is going to be unpleasant sometimes. Well, yeah, it's and again, for there are some people that really love it and if you want to play it, these are these are changes that I think will give the format a different texture. Uh, I you know, I don't know the extent to which will I'm very curious to see the impact. I'm looking forward to playing that weird week of standard then I'm looking forward to it going away. Um, and I think a week is about I think a week is about the right amount of time uh, for this sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be calm fiesta, but uh, in a good way. For one week, anything goes. You remember that uh, cinematic from One Night in Karazhan? Yes. One one week in... One one week at the Dark Moon Fair. Exactly. Um, So I think that's going to wind us down for this show. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Any final thoughts, Zach? Next podcast, don't miss out on it. Promise. Yes. We're we're we, it's going to be really cool. So we'll announce more information when we have it, but uh, you'll definitely want to tune in. Uh, so look forward to the next report on the 18th. Next podcast should be recorded on the 19th, released on the 20th as usual. Uh, big thanks to Stephen Sensei for intro and outro, and we'll talk to you all soon. The Data Reaper Podcast is an official production of Vicious Syndicate. Don't forget to sign up and contribute your game data to improve the quality of the weekly Data Reaper report. Instructions are available on our website, along with lots of other weekly content at viciousyndicate.com. Thank you to all of our patrons and data contributors for proving their strength in numbers.